Hallelujah. Grab all of your Bibles. We're going to go to the word of the Lord. We're going to jump around in a few places. But I got a word today that I believe will bless you. Amen. I'm hoping it will. Amen. Hallelujah. God is good. I want to talk today about something that has no doubt infected a lot of people. As a matter of fact, I don't think I've ever met anyone it has not infected. I see it in others clearly. It's not hard for me to recognize it. I could spot it a mile away. You know, it shows up in people when they go spending money on things just to show others they got it. It's not that they need things. They just need to have more things than the next man. Hallelujah. Got very quiet here. You know, it lies to people and it tells them that they are somebody because of all of the stuff they have. Their value is never from a different source. It is from what I've owned. And so they constantly have to have more. And the minute you get more than them, the relationship is in trouble. You ever met anybody like that? Are they next to you right now? <laughs> this thing has infected married people. It causes them to argue and never come to any type of resolution because for some reason, in some strange way, it stops them from examining what their spouse is saying and causes them to only be concerned about, I need to be right. So they forget love. And they argue just to jump in. They double dutch when they argue. You finish? I let you speak. <laughs> if your conversations go to those levels, just stop. <laughs> I let you speak. Let me finish when I'm talking. Ain't nobody listening at that point. It stops married people from examining what their partner is saying and it drives them to a place where they need to be right and that's more important than loving the other person causes them to feel that what I'm feeling in this moment is the only thing that matters amen that'll help a lot of marriages this thing this thing has infected and caused many entertainers. Y'all sound like y'all know what it is already. It, it's got a, you know, our entertainers, they disguise it in their money and their flashy lifestyle. And you could see it in them because, because they're famous and they're rich, it's caused them to believe that they're above you. And their fame and their riches 
gives them the right to say whatever to you, and if you don't agree with them, you're broke anyway. What do broke people know? There's a lot of amens there. Y'all ain't amen for the married stuff. Y'all, y'all already kill the entertainers, though. <laughs> Disguise is in the flashy lifestyle. And it causes them to look down on other people and say that you're not better than me because you're not as famous and not as rich as me. I see it in the youth. This thing has infected the youth. Y'all know that? It makes the youth call any type of correction or any time they get any type of wisdom, they don't ever want to accept it and it makes them call wisdom old. Anytime the youth get hits with correction, this thing wells up in them and they say, wisdom is so old it doesn't understand our generation. And so they never heed the advice of what they consider old and miss that it's actually wisdom. Because of this thing. It causes men to make statements after they've built great big boats and ships to say, we've built a boat so big that not even God can sink. It's caused bands to say, we are now more famous than Jesus Christ. People make a lot of crazy statements. It causes politicians to think that the people they're supposed to serve actually works for them. And that the rules they're supposed to follow only applies to one rule for thee, another for me. This thing is terrible. This sickness is crazy. I wish it was limited to the outside, but it's all over in the church. It's caused people to say, do they know who I am? Do they know how long I've been in church? And so picking up a piece of paper is beyond them. I don't, I don't clean. Give them a microphone, they first in line. Give them the stage. Pastor call them for the stage? No argument. Don't get in trouble. Call them for anything else. Oh, you know, I've got to, I'll be working, I'll be working, I'll be, and they just disappear. But give them something to be put on a pedestal. They there. You know, this thing. problem is, let me say it this way, it can cause you to lose your dreams, it can ruin everything you have ever built, I think everyone can see this disease in everyone else, but the hardest thing I discovered is that even though I could see it in everybody else, 
I just can't see it in me. And the reason is because the disease is such a disease that when you have it, it tells you you don't. So how do you fix something that you don't think you have? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And it's necessary for you to put it in check because it will ruin and take everything from your life that you are trying to build. It will cause you to fail. It will cause you to fall. It is the thing that even caused an angel to become a devil. One day the angel looked up and said, I don't want to be the chief musician. He was so glorious, the Bible says even his bones produced music. Come on, somebody. He was in charge of giving glory to God. But it was found in him. He said, I shall ascend into heaven. Read it in the Bible. He walked in the mountains of God. Every precious stone, the Bible said, covered him. Every precious stone was his outfit. It's no wonder these stars, anyway. <laughs> Every, he was something to behold. And he said, this ain't good enough. I got to go higher. And it was only one place above him. He said, I got to be God. And he got infected with this disease. And then he came to the earth because Jesus said, I saw him fall like lightning. He came to the earth and he had two perfect people in a perfect world with no bills and no IRS. What else do you want from life? What else, what else is there to want? No bills, no... Come on, y'all. I don't got a church. Y'all sound like y'all like the IRS. Hallelujah. No bills, no IRS, food all over. No pain. No suffering. And he caused them to be infected with this thing. And they couldn't see it when they got it. Because the thing only causes you to see yourself. And it caused good men that God made to become fallen men. And those men begun to blame each other. And ultimately what they were doing, because the man said, it ain't my fault. It's the woman. And we stop and we say, he's blaming the woman. No, he's not. That you gave me. So if you never gave me this, come on, how many of you have ever said that to God? It was your fault in the first place. Why you give me this? I ain't asked for this. And they fell. 
It is a self-centered disease. It has caused many kings to fall, marriages to fail, job opportunities missed, success ruined, and it is in all of us, and it is called pride. The title of my message today is, Don't Fall on Your Own Sword. Don't fall on your own sword. Let's pray. God, I thank you for who you are. And I ask you that you would move in this house. Your spirit is in this place. Where two or three are gathered, you are here in the midst. I pray that you would use this word today. This word is not for my neighbor. This word is not for those that I think should have been here to hear this. This word is for me. Help me, Lord Jesus, to listen to your words today. And help me to let them take root. And help me, oh Father, Lord Jesus, to grow and change and become the person that you have made me to be. Help me, God, Lord Jesus, to be more like you today. In Jesus' name I pray. Somebody say, Amen. My first point to you today is that pride refuses to let God rule. Pride is a thing that says that God is not in charge, I am. God is not in the driver's seat, I am. So whatever God has to say about something, pride steps in and says, I got my own version of my own thoughts on that thing. Hallelujah. And so when you are in your marriage and God says that when you're wrong, you should apologize, pride says, no, you shouldn't. You got to teach them a lesson. All right, let me leave marriages alone. Let me just come out of that. I jump in a marriage, I feel like I'm in a pit. Hallelujah. Uh, uh, pride causes you that when you go to work late, you're the one late. And you know God talks about the way you should ethically behave as a believer. And when the boss corrects you, pride says that you know better than God. And so you make all type of excuses as to why your wrong is justifiable. That's the problem with pride. It always is justifying the wrong that you are doing. It, 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 it tells you that whatever God has to say about my life comes, it's an option. But how many know God is not an option? In the book of Psalms, there's a scripture there. Psalms chapter 10, verse 4. It says, in the pride of his face, the wicked does not seek him. In the pride of his face, the wicked does not seek him. And watch this. In the pride of a wicked man, look at this. All his thoughts are, there is no God. There is no God. Pride would not let God ever be God. When it comes to the way you conduct yourself privately, you know how you ought to conduct yourself. But you know that 
you have an, you, you, you tell yourself that you have an option. And whenever you tell, yourself, you tell yourself that you have an option when it comes to the things of God, you are on dangerous grounds. Because with God, you either honor his word and let him be. That's how you make God God of your life, you know. It's not how much you, the praise and the worship, Brother Fred broke it down excellently. There's a God on the other side. But at, church doesn't stop when one o'clock hits. God is not just exalted between 11 and 1. God wants to be God from now, 11 a.m., now to 11 a.m. next week, and then do it again. He wants to be God all the time in your life. And the way you make God God of your life is to honor his word in every area of your life. Y'all ain't saying nothing to me. I'm going to preach that a little bit more. So, 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 so honoring God's word means that if God says something about a way that I'm living, I can't tell God that he does not have rulership in that area because now I am God in that area and not God. He's either Lord of all or he ain't Lord at all. Come on, somebody. Look at what the Bible says. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs chapter 16 verse 18, pride goes before this this before a man before a man ends up in calamity, something is in him before. People don't end up falling just like that. The the marriage don't end up divorced overnight. Hallelujah. Y'all ain't saying nothing. People been sitting at the table for months looking at each other like I heard somebody said yesterday during COVID, they said, they thought to themselves, they said, I thought when COVID hit, it was a beautiful opportunity and that God wanted us all to spend more time with our family. He said, after three months into COVID, he said, he had to rethink that. He said, I was going to take chances with COVID more than I was with my, my, my wife. And I laughed so hard. He said, because my wife was walking around the house saying strange things like, you breathe a lot. I never noticed you breathe so much. <laughs> well, I don't have another choice here. Before you see a marriage broken, before you see a man fall, before you see a woman fall, before you see people leave a church, before you see people leave God, before you see people uh, end up in any type of crazy thing that you think is all of a sudden, there is nothing all of a sudden. Before people end up in financial crisis, it's not all of a sudden. You know, I'm preaching today. Hallelujah. I, I, I'm going to preach. I feel like preaching. You, you don't end up in financial crisis all of a sudden. You, 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 you saw what you were making, but your pride told you you had to have this. Y'all ain't saying nothing. And, and because you broke a spiritual principle over stewarding money, you ended up in financial crisis. Turn to your neighbor and say, neighbor, is he talking to you? <laughs> you don't end up in calamity by accident. 
Churches don't fall by accident. Nations don't fall by accident. Things don't break by accident. Things break when we refuse to let God be God and we take rulership and we think we know better than God. We put our own rules to it and then when we realize that our rules are not better than God's rules, we end up in disaster. And the Bible says every time you end up in that place, it's because pride gripped your heart and you refuse to let God be God. And it goes before a fall. And a haughty spirit before a fall. I want to talk to you today about a brother by the name of Saul. Anybody ever heard of Saul? Not Saul to Paul. We knew an artist named Saul to Paul. Shout out if you're watching. Before this Saul, there was another Saul in the Bible. And to understand him is to understand Israel. The Bible says that Israel looked over at all the other nations of the world. Hmm. And they did not like what God was doing with them. They did not, they did not want to let God... So, so I know we're ready to jump on Saul. But God will always give you a ruler that reflects you. You don't sit in any barber chair that you don't believe can confirm you to the way you want to look. If you ever look at how churches have preachers that preach nonsense, but have 6,000 members, people don't sit under pastors. Y'all ain't ready for today, man. Y'all ain't ready. People go to places. Where it reflects their values and their thinking. It is rare to find people going to places that is challenging them. Because when you're challenged, it doesn't feel good. Growth doesn't feel good. Transitioning and changing in life doesn't feel good. Because growth comes with a lot of, you're wrong. You must change. I hate going to the doctor. Because he's right. And that's the problem. I didn't tell him I was eating a lot of cheese. He just knew. He, he, just, he just pulled out a paper and said, you got to cut back. And he names every food that I like. This man is controlled by the devil. People don't like being, men especially, men have a hard time being around other men who challenge them. They like being around. You find, this is going to get real crazy here now, what I'm going to say. They, 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 
they find themselves in areas where they feel like and dominate. But when they come around other men, and the men check and be like, I don't agree with that. Then they get soft. And they run home today. Where the men at? Where where men at? There's a lack of leadership in men in this world. Look at our schools. Every classroom practically dominated by females. All our kids are being raised. Single, father, single mother homes. Every place you look. You look at the entertainment industry now. Who runs it now? All women. You got men talking about they want to be single ladies. And then when you watch the media, they keep, they, they, they say that to be man is too masculine. And now you got men walking around talking about, I got to connect with my feminine side. <laughs> you got to do what, bro? <laughs> what are you talking about? You know, you got to connect with your inner female. And bro, ain't, ain't, ain't nobody in here. You know what I'm saying? Ain't, it's, it's just like what you see out there. This same, this dude, he live all over here. Y'all ain't. God will always give you the leader that reflects you. That's why even in a political year, I'm not studying. Listen, I'm going to do what I got to do. But when you look at the outcome of every nation in this world, just look at the people. God will always give you a leader that people are going to make decisions based on their own values and let me help you in this life you got to understand that not everybody that you are with shares your same values i said it like this you got to keep a close eye on the people that you because everybody nowadays is the movement some don't like what I say in my song because they march to thank you appreciate it appreciate it <laughs> you got to understand that everybody got a movement and we ain't the same y'all come on somebody I don't know how I got here so fast I promise you this is not what I wanted to talk about but Israel said we don't like ourselves. We don't like how you govern us. We like the other nations. We want to be like them. And you read it in the Bible. God said to Samuel, Samuel was the prophet at the time. Samuel started crying. Ah, feeling hurt. The people know it because they no longer wanted him to rule. You're the prophet of God. We don't want to hear from you. We want a king. And so he's crying, he's crying, he's crying, he's crying. And God comes to Samuel and said, Samuel, quit your crying. It's not you they rejected. It's me. Why are you crying like it's you? It's me. And it's the same thing they did. And God said, since they left Egypt. 
since they left Egypt, they had an identity problem. They were never satisfied with my rulership in their life. Every place they went, they, you, you, you fed them. Ah, I had, I had, and they would say things like, I had onions and lentils. At least if you're going to complain, say Popeyes and something else. And fries and chicken and Shake Shack back there. Y'all ain't saying nothing. Hallelujah. Uh, 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 but but, 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 but they, they complained about, about, about what the food God gave wasn't good enough. The, the, the place he brought them to wasn't good enough. He was giving them a, a pillar, a, 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 what is it, a cloud by day and a pillar of fire. A, a pillar, whatever. Flip that backwards. And, and all of this he was leading them. It was never good enough. Nothing God ever did was good enough. He brought them to a land. It wasn't good enough. This land is, he's, now they're possessing it. It's not good enough. Nothing God ever does is good enough. Because you're always looking at what everybody else got. Remember when you wanted a wife? Then you got one? She ain't good enough. Man, it be getting. I'm gonna stop. Every time I touch marriage, it's like you could hear the envelope drop. <laughs> Amen. And so, so, so they looked around and they wanted to be like every other nation. And Samuel is crying, and God says, "Get up! It's not you. They rejected. It's me. Give them what they asked for, but tell them this." And this is what he told him to tell. Tell him that that king is going to basically take everything from you, use the best of what you have. You're going to basically become a slave to this government. And tell them, I'm going to let them have what they want because they have rejected me. Now, that's interesting to me that in the speech that Samuel gave not on one occasion, but on several occasions, was included in the speech, I'm letting you have a king because you have rejected me. And nobody in the whole of Israel say, well, hold on now. We're we, we not rejecting God. We just thought it was cool to have a king. Nobody even stepped in and said that. He, he is basically telling them, you have left me, and they continued on and still wanted a king. And so when it came time to get a king, uh, uh, Samuel said, well, who's going to be this king? And God gave him a word. God said, there's going to be a man that's going to come to you. He's from this tribe, the tribe of Benjamin. He's from this house, this clan. His family is a family of valor. And when you see him, tell him that he's going to be the king. Well, this man was looking for donkeys when he started. And, and he was everything a king probably should look like. Because the Bible described him, when it started describing Saul, it says that he was more handsome than all the sons of Israel. That's like how God would describe me in New York. Thank you, Sister Stacy. You didn't see the joke, right? You believed it. Amen. You better not be laughing, Sister Sherry. He said that this man was the most handsome of all the sons in Israel. And his stature 
by his stature, that's how they kind of knew he was the one. I'm going to tell you in a minute. So, so, so he was looking for these donkeys, and he'd been looking for these donkeys for a while. It's his father's donkeys. And after a while, he said, man, we've been searching for a while. And Pops is probably going to start sending somebody to search for us. So his friend who was with him said, there's a man, there's a seer in this town that he, he just knows stuff. Let's go to him. And so Saul looked over and said, well, we ain't got no gift to give him. He said, man, let's just go anyway. They went, and while they're going to meet Samuel, Samuel is telling the people to prepare the best meat because there's coming a young man here who God will anoint. He walks in, and he meets uh, 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 Samuel, and he tells a story, and Samuel says, God basically is anoint you king, and, and Samuel sets up this thing that you must wait on me, and I will pray with you, and it seems like they had a routine that whenever they needed God to meet him, and Samuel would meet uh, at Gilgal, and, they would, and he would have to wait on the priests to come and offer sacrifices and call on God, and that was the, the order God set up, the priest and the king together. And so, 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 when it came time to anoint him king, Saul hid that they brought all the children of Israel together and Samuel said, let the lots fall. And it fell on the tribe of Benjamin and it fell on his family. And then they said, well, is the king here? And they went and they inquired and God said, yeah, he's here, but he's hiding. Because he thought of himself that he was so unworthy to be used by God. Here's my point, y'all. The race doesn't end at the starting point. Finish strong. What do you mean by that? If you look at his starting point, this was a great man. This was a humble man. This was a man who they even said this about him is Saul among the prophets because the spirit of God fell on him so strong imagine you can be so anointed so walking with God so looking at yourself as I'm not worthy to be used in the way God wants me to be used that when you look at the moment of his life now you would think this is a great man, but I want you to know the starting point is not the ending. That what you do tomorrow matters as much as what you do today. It's not coming to Christ and fasting the first week of January. We now going into February. How many of you still in prayer? Oh, I wonder if I call a fast this week, if we're going to get. You looked away real quick, Julian. Julian said, I want to, Lord. I, I, wonder, I wonder how many people are still strong with the Lord. I, I, I hope you're not keeping your physical goals, but your spiritual goals have died. I hope you're not going to the gym more than you're going to the book. I hope you're not more on the gram than you are in the book. Right. 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 Yeah, 
I'm saying nothing to me. Be, 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 because it's not how you start a thing. That matters. But tomorrow counts too. And the next day counts too. And the next day counts too. It's not how you start the marriage. It's not how you start the business. It's not how you start the job. It's not how you start the church. Tomorrow counts too. And this man, if you looked at him, the Bible says that when they found out he was hidden, they called him out. And when he stood among his fellow men, he was a head taller than all of them. So like even if he wanted to hide... You see, God did the opposite with me in New York. Everybody tall. I'm... So it... See how God did that? God, you know, he switched it up. He couldn't hide. This man looked so kingly that when God finally rejected him and it came time to anoint a new king, because of how he looked alone, Samuel was looking for the same look. Y'all don't believe me. Y'all ain't, ain't with me today. And so, so what happens? When he walked into the house of Jesse and he saw the first son, he looked at a look and said, this must be the king. And God had to tell him, the last time we got a look. But it ain't a look that keeps you. You look more Christian than you are. You, you, you look more. Y'all hear what I'm saying? He said, the last time you went for a look, this time I'm looking for a heart. Look, what the, look, look at my second point. Sometimes the commercial is better than the product. Don't be fooled by the commercial. Come on, talk to your neighbor. Hallelujah. I'm sorry you married the commercial and realize you got to live with the product. Got quiet again. See, I know how to silence church city. Just say something about marriage. <laughs> the commercial is always better than the product. Y'all hear what I'm saying in this room? And some commercials are very good at, 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 at advertising trash. I, I, I was on the phone the other day driving, pulling up the GPS, and an ad popped up. And I said, Sister Sherry, I want that product. The product was this little square black, um, like it's like, it's a little box. And it says, you never have to go to the gas station to air your tires up again. And I said, that's a good deal. He said, this thing is powerful. You just plug it in your car, and within a minute you come back, and it stops at the exact number. And I said, that's a good commercial. <laughs> then my wife had to stop me and say, how many times are you going to go by a good commercial will sell you. And a lot of us are great commercials. Oh, yeah. I mean, you got $100 shoes on the commercial. I mean, the hairstyle is beautiful on the commercial. 
y'all ain't saying nothing to me. You got what kind of suits y'all wear in these streets? You got Portobello on the commercial. You know, I ain't gonna lie to y'all. I'm a Portobello guy. You get three for a hundred. Good. Church people don't know the difference. Hallelujah. Come on, man. I be seeing Portobello everywhere. I went to Manhattan the other day. I said, Portobello in the middle. Moving up. And he looked so depart. And God says, anoint him king. And he started being king. And then God was using him mightily to defeat the Philistines. And he started defeating them. And then this routine that he had with, with Samuel, all of a sudden, he started breaking this. At one time, he was supposed to wait on a man of God to come and bring the sacrifices at Gilgal. But he looked at his men and he looked at what was happening and the king decided that he don't need a priest. I can be priest. And he removed the man of God and sacrificed and did everything that the man of God was supposed to do. Oh, I could preach a message there. Because a lot of people like good inspirational preachers, but they don't want a pastor. That's why it's easy to follow bishop so-and-so, prophet so-and-so, because they all on TikTok. But as long as somebody's in your face saying, your problem ain't that. Your problem is you don't know how to say sorry. They say next church. Oh, I'm a lot of people's preacher, but I ain't a lot of people's pastor. And all the years I've been in ministry, I know who I can pastor, and I know who will do whatever they want. That helps me, because I don't spend a lot of time talking to people who don't listen. It's gotten to the point in my life, Rich, where when I talk to people, and you just even look away for a second, I stop talking. My wife, she'll tell you the truth. If I'm driving in the car with somebody and they next stop laughing. <laughs> and they talk and talk and talk and load their problems onto me. And I'm over there praying. And then I begin to say and dispel wisdom and they start going on their phone looking away. I stop talking. Because you don't want you just need a garbage dump. And some people make their man of God a dumpster. And I am too fly to be anybody's garbage dump. My wife will tell you, there's times I'm in the car and I start talking and she will know they're zoning out. And I would look in the rear view and I would stop talking. And when they turn back around, I'll be like, right? And they'll be like, yeah. 
Many people want to. I'll leave that alone. And he did the sacrifices on his own. And when he did the sacrifices on his own, Samuel showed up at the appointed time when he was supposed to and said, what have you done? He said, you took long and these men, they look worried. And so to calm them, I did what I had to do and I sacrificed. And Samuel said, you did something foolish because you did this. God is going to take the kingdom from you. Now, that seemed harsh because that was in an earlier chapter. But God already knew this was this man's character. That he was concerned about how he looked. And the position was now getting to him that he felt he don't need the people that God put around him anymore. And so the next chapter comes and God gives an instruction to go wipe out the Amalekites for what they did back in Egypt. Kill everybody. Kill everybody and animals. The Bible says that when Samuel showed up at the end of the battle, here come arrogant soul. How are you, man of God? With his kingly self, with his tall self. How are you? Look what we have done. I have done all God asked. Meanwhile, a king is back there. And Samuel said, you did all God asked? He said, yeah. And all you're in the back is, bah, moo. He said, then what is this noise I hear? I hear the sheep. He said, no, 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 chill, 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 man of God, you ain't understand. You ever meet somebody who always want to chill the Bible? What I, you don't understand. What I was actually doing was helping God. He said, I was actually helping God. Here's what I was doing. I figured that we're going to need these animals to sacrifice to God. So I kept the best of the spoils and I brought them back here so that we could offer them up to God. And Saul said to this man, obedience is better. Now I know that scripture very well because since I was a boy, my mother quoted that scripture to me. I don't know I must have been five. And my mother would tell me, son, obedience is better than sacrifice. I don't know what that meant. That joint just sounded so serious. I heard sacrifice and obedience. I thought I was going to die. Like, what that mean? Like, you got to kill me, mom? But as I got older, I understood what it meant. That you don't give God the gifts you think he wants. To honor God is to do what he wants. God, as I preach this, I pray your people understand this. This would change your walk with the Lord. You don't give God what you think he wants. You give God what he says. And God told him. 
to kill everybody and everything. So it's not up for discussion. And he decided that he knew better. And look at this. Once again, Samuel looked at him and said, because you, you just know everything, right? You sin, bro. And God says he's going to take the kingdom away from you and you will never rule again. As Samuel is walking away, I want you to see what this man says. As he's walking away, turn with me to the book of uh, 1 Samuel chapter 15 verse 28. Look at this. Hallelujah. It says, Samuel said to him, the Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you today and has given it to one of your neighbors, to one better than you. Amen. Go on. He who is the glory of Israel does not lie or change his mind. He is not a human being that he should change his mind. Saul replied. Check this out, y'all. Check this out. I want y'all to see. My man Saul is a true politician. I'm talking about, you know, them politicians where you be up there and you like, you know, they lying and they look at you in the face and tell you why you should believe the lie. He's a true politician. He said, I have sinned. I did wrong. But please honor me before the elders of my people and before Israel. Come back with me so that I may worship the Lord your God. I, 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 I know I sinned. But I'm about to go in front of the people. So if you could come with me and you stand next to me in the picture, it'll look like God is with me. He is more concerned. Be careful, y'all. I could go a whole nother way there, but I'm going to leave that alone. Hallelujah. Let me get these points out your way and let y'all go. You cannot get God's blessings without doing it God's way. And Saul wanted God's blessings, but he did not want it God's way. Here's my next point. What people think is not more important than what God thinks. And this man was people pleasing. And the more he people pleased and the more they liked him. Is the more he did what he felt was right in his own eyes. And he could not be corrected. And Saul, from this point on, God just left him. He was sitting in his house and evil spirits from the Lord would trouble him. 
And he couldn't, he was losing his mind. And they said, we need to find a cure to help him get his mind back. And you know who the cure was? His replacement. His replacement was his cure. His replacement had the ability to pull out of heaven what he needed to keep him in his right mind. Because he once had that. And David would come and play. And when David would play, an evil spirit would leave Saul. But how many of you know that the problem with pride is anytime you see somebody got what you should have had and what you forfeited because you didn't listen to God, you begin to get, like my kids always say, a little jelly, bro. You start to get a little bit of jealousy. And pride will always look at other people and what they have and cause you to look at yourself and make you think that what you have is never good. And he looked at David and he became jealous. I want you to know today that if you did what God asked you to do, you will have no reason to be jealous of any other man. Because you'll be so busy with what he's doing in your life that you wouldn't even have time. To look at another man to be jealous. Come on somebody. And uh, he begins to feel the way he's feeling. He starts tossing javelins at David. He starts doing all these things to kill David. Poor David is on a run for his life now. You see here's the problem y'all. When people are prideful. It causes them to see other people as a threat. And anybody that becomes successful around you is a problem. You can't handle success. You view people's success as though it's your failure. And that's what he started to do. And look at this, y'all. Look at this. All he cared about from then on was how he felt. One time they went to battle and he's riding in and they say, Saul slayed his thousands. And homie in the back. But David, and when Saul heard that, Saul couldn't see we won the battle. You see, Saul was meant to mentor this boy, and he did. Sometimes you can do what God asks willingly, or even in your disobedience, God is going to get his job done through you. Because it taught David so many lessons when he was on the run. Y'all ain't saying nothing. And, 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 and he's in this place now where all that matters was how he feel. This is how I feel. This is, this is what I feel. And I want you to know that's the, that's the heart of pride. That's, the, that's what's going to ruin the marriage. If all you could see is how you feel, that's going to ruin you and the children. You know, Father, when you start arguing with that child, yes, the child is, might be wrong, but you got to have patience and listen. Listen. Because if you don't come to where people are and understand, you'll never be able to stare them out. And a lot of us, all we could think about is how I feel, how you made me feel, how the job makes me feel. You ever run into anybody and all they could talk about in the first five minutes of the conversation is everything that happens to them and them only? Listen to this, y'all. It's not that the way you feel doesn't matter. The problem is that you think the way you feel is the only thing that matters. 
Next time you're arguing, bump your brakes. Relax. Hallelujah. And this man rejected God. And he was contented with the idea of looking as though God was with him. Some people are content with the idea of God rejecting them as long as it appears outwardly that he has not done so. And all pride wants to do is overthrow God to take all his blessings without him. I want everything you got for me, but I don't want to submit to anything you want me to submit to. Come on, somebody. Come on. Look at this, y'all. I'm getting ready to close. Three things how you can defeat pride. Number one, take personal responsibility. I am where I am, not because of anyone else. Oh, but pastor, you don't know what they did to me. Even in what people have done to you, you had a choice in letting them do it to you. Y'all ain't saying nothing. When you take responsibility for where you are, you will begin to change your life. My, my, my weight is out of control, not because of how beautiful Popeye's is. I always talk about that place. That place should give me a deal. The amount of times I advertise for them. You know, Chick-fil-A is the devil. No, they're they a Christian organization, but it's... Sometimes God used... Hallelujah. I, I, it, ain't nothing theological there. These places, hallelujah, they're not the reason I'm unhealthy. My marriage ain't broken because of everybody else's fault. If 50 million people tell you the same thing, 50 million people can't be wrong. Come on, y'all. Come on. Come on, y'all. Y'all hear what I'm saying? At some point, you got to take personal responsibility for your own life. And I know church people. Church people, that's why I tell you, people will find the leaders they love. Some people will never come sit under a ministry like this because they need a ministry that tells them the reason you are in what you're in is because of a demon. And so they'll say, Pastor, you're not spiritual enough. You don't do enough deliverance. Because what you need to be delivered from, I can't deliver you from that. It's you. <laughs> Come on, say amen or say ouch. You don't know how many people I meet for the first time and they run, they run into this church and it's like running into a brick wall. Because the first thing I do, people call me for advice and they start telling me about what everybody else did. And the first thing I do is, what did you do? Because that's the last thing we want to look at. Because in order for you to figure out how to fix your problem, you got to see you in the problem. 
And then you got to see, you can never see this next step unless you see that first one. If you don't see you in the problem, you can't see what I need to do next to, to get out of it. And as I'm preaching this, not you in here, not those online, but those in the year 3000 that will watch this tape are saying, yeah, that's for somebody else. Y'all hear what I'm saying in here? Take responsibility. Here's the second one. Here's the second one. Repent. Can I tell you something? I know my time is gone. Y'all ready to go home? I know. But can I tell you something? If you just look at a comparison between Saul and David, like stats, you know, like if you put up LeBron's stats, you would have to say that man is the greatest basketball player of all times if you look at the numbers. If you look at the numbers. I'm not going anywhere with this, brother. I'm stating the facts. If you look at the stats and you look at the numbers, you would say, this guy is amazing. If you put up the stats in the life of David alongside Saul, you would actually pick Saul. You would say, all he did was didn't kill a king and brought some goats home. He good bread. David? That giant killer, he crossed the wilding line. <laughs> David done slept with all kinds of people. <laughs> David done slept with any and every. He, this man withheld nothing from himself. To the point one day he's on the roof, he said, she looked good. Bring her to me. Kill her husband. Who's choosing this man as king? <laughs> but I'm trying to teach you something here. Well, what's the difference between Saul and David? When Samuel said to him, you are dead wrong. Your man said, I have sinned. You got that. But. Right now, I got to get this money and I'm king. Come stand with me. Because I don't care about repenting. I care about the position. When they came to David and they, Nathan said, yo, there was a man who had one sheep and another man had a lot and he killed a man and took his one sheep. David said, tell me who that man is in Israel. Then we shall not rest this day until he dies. Nathan said, all right, okay. <laughs> Thou art the man. And David didn't say, see you, you talk too much, prophet. David didn't get mad and say, I don't like this sermon. This sermon. This sermon, you talking too much about me. Who told you about me? David fell in repentance and said, I'm sorry. Immediately, it is a heart 
that God is after. And true repentance. Repentance, y'all. Look at this. It is a change of heart that leads to a change in behavior. And finally, is how Saul ended up. Saul couldn't have relationships with any of his children. You know what's funny? We look at Saul, but Saul is exactly what Israel was. Remember last night I was screaming? That's what it was. Saul is exactly what the people was. He was a man that loved the look of the God, but didn't want the heart of the God. And the people said, we want your blessings, but we want the look of the world. God says, I'm going to give you exactly what you look like to lead you. I'm going to give you exactly what you look like. And so now he's, he's in this position where children gone, family gone. He's jealous of this young man, David, and he's going to war. And in the middle of war, this man never repents. This man could have had... By this time, David was a bad boy. When it came, like David was no, you know, we get these pictures in the movies. David just swing and hit. You know what it is to, to say, yo, I'm going to run up on a giant for real? You got to be from Queens. You know what I'm talking about? He... he Y'all mentioned that other borough. I'll go off a whole nother way. I'll show y'all where I'm from. Amen. My. Lucky you got my name. was a wild boy at that point. David, David was so good at warfare that he went into Saul's camp while Saul was sleeping. Passed all his guards. He had to have some inside help. He probably had his mans that worked for Saul and Saul was like, yo, let me, let me go cut this real quick. And cut piece of his garment. Next morning, Saul is like, David, is that you, troublemaker? He said, man, it's me. He said, what have I done to you to make you want to kill me? I'm not killing anybody, David. He said, I'm trying to prove to you that I don't want to kill you. I don't want to take your throne. I don't want to touch the Lord's anointed. I don't want to do this to you. He said, and here's proof. I could have killed you last night, but I'm not here to do that, Saul. I'm trying to align with you. Let's get together and do what we got to do for Israel. Look at all these crazy dudes I got behind me. They were so crazy that, that, that ran with him. Dudes used to jump into to, to pits and fight lions and do all, all types of goons. 
was rolling with David. You read it in the Bible. David had warriors. David was fighting battles out there that when, when, when it came to, what, what, what was Abigail's husband's name? When, when Nabal, when, when he tried to disrespect them. The Bible, the Bible, y'all thought this word was from today and from hip hop today. The Bible says David said to his men, strap up. He told him, get the strap. Read it in the Bible. And he put the lesser men to watch the, 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 his goods. And he took more men to kill one man who the Bible said was a fool. David was a, he was, David was a wild boy. Blood on his hands. David would kill. And instead of Saul aligning with that, Saul is out here. I just don't want you to take what I have and wouldn't repent. I don't want God. I don't want the prophet. I don't want nothing. I just want my own thoughts. What book is he reading? Till when it came to the end of his life and Samuel was dead, this man went to the witches in the land for advice. And he went to the witch, and I have no theological answer for this today. Don't email me. Just pray. The Bible says as he was talking to the witch, Samuel came back up like, yo, bro, what are you doing? I told you when I was alive, you wildin'. Now I'm coming back from the dead to tell you, you wildin'. Now, can I go back? I have no theology for you on that one. Even the, 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 the seer is there like, all y'all wild. Do y'all understand? And when you don't handle that pride in you, look at the picture. He has nobody to help him to fight his enemies because he refused every person that would help him. And now he's on the battlefield and all he got is an armor bearer. And the armor bearer and him are losing. They're fighting and they're fighting back and they're losing and they lose him, and they manage to escape for a little bit. And he turns to the armor bearer as he sees his enemies coming. And he says, I can't let the enemies kill the man who God has made king. He said to his armor bearer, kill me. Take my sword and kill me. And the armor bearer holds the sword. I could imagine what's going through his mind. Like, how do I explain to Israel that I killed the king? And then I got to explain it's because he asked me to kill him? He said, I done rode with you this far, but I ain't doing this. And he left. And your man took his own sword.
that sword been there, this was just the outward representation of something he never dealt with. And he fell on his own sword. And they embarrassed Israel that day. They came and impaled his body. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Shame the people of God. My problem ain't Saul. My problem is Israel. That said, we don't want you. We want everything else except you. And Saul, his life was just the analogy for what that nation was going to go through. Because of their pride. And what's true for them. Is true for us. It's true in your marriage. It's true in your finances. It's true in your relationships. It's true in every area of your life. If you don't take responsibility. And see you in every circumstance. Well pastor people do things. I know I'm not saying they don't. But I'm saying that you got to at some point let God see you and ask what he wants you to do. And do what God says. And you will get what God gives. And the blessings of the Lord will make rich and add no sorrow. Every head bow. Every eyes closed. Do not fall on your own sword.